0: e Today's video is brought to you by storyboardthat.com. Please visit teachercast.net slash storyboardthat for a limited time offer.
1: Welcome, everybody, to uh, episode 34 of the Principal Cast Podcast, hosted by myself, Spike Cook, Teresa Stagger, and Jessica Johnson. The, Prin- the Principal Cast Podcast is a weekly podcast uh, dedicated to current topics in education, leadership, administration, and just all things uh, education. For more information, please visit our website at www.principalcast.com. There are many great ways to connect with us. Of course, you can always come on Twitter. We are at PrincipalCast. And then you can also follow the hashtag at PrincipalCast. Both our video and audio uh, feeds are on iTunes, so you can search that and uh, subscribe to the podcast. Tonight's topic is starting your own school with Kelly Tinkley. Welcome to the show, Kelly.
2: Thanks so much, Spike.
3: Welcome. We're so glad to have you.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here.
1: We are so excited about having you here tonight. Um, So we have a lot of cool things. I just wanted to, for those of you who don't know Kelly, um, Kelly is an education change maker. She's been a teacher, a technology integration specialist, a consultant, a blogger, education reform conference organizer, and speaker. Most recently, Kelly imagined a new model of education, one that is honoring students as unique individuals. She started a preschool through eighth grade, Anastasis Academy, based on this model. She's diligently working on her latest invention, the Learning Genome Project, to make Anastasis model of education available to all children. So once again, Kelly, welcome so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, so um, before we go into our main topic, we usually just like to catch up with each other um, and kind of see how our week has been going. So I'm going to start out with Teresa. Um, how's everything been going with you this week, Teresa? Uh,
3: it's been going okay. I We actually, my husband took a staycation this week, so he had a week off and we all got to hang out. Um, and so we went to the zoo, we went to a couple concerts, and it was a really good time. And so we're just kind of Getting back in the swing of things, I'm going to meet some new potential students tomorrow, which is exciting. And uh, it's about it. It's kind of nice, just enjoying the. It's it's only been I'm in Michigan, and it's only been, gosh, I don't know, low 70s this week. It's been beautiful. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's been absolutely gorgeous. So we are. Um, it, it's not normal for us, and I think it's going to be back out to the mid 90s later this week. But it's been uh, it's been a, a beautiful week. I couldn't have asked for a nicer. A nicer break. What about you, Spike?
1: Well, I was going to say, Teresa, we, we're talking to a Colorado girl today, so she's going <laughs> to... You and her have a lot in common, and I think weather is probably one of them. Uh, the Michigan... Not this week. <laughs> Not this week.
2: <laughs> it's been high. We got to, I think, 110 today, somewhere around no, there. Oh,
3: thank
1: you.
2: <laughs> I happen to be in the room that has no AC working, so... <laughs>
1: Oh, oh no, oh. I've never heard of that in Colorado. You must be, you must be. They're
3: south, though. Um, They're really, I guess it yeah. depends on what altitude is down there, it's,
2: right? Yeah, we, uh, it's just a hot week here. It's not normally this hot, but it's a hot week.
1: Wow. Well, we, I think we have some sort of polar vortex going on because it's been <laughs> not humid. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about South Jersey, but it is just, it's a humid, humid uh, area and uh, this week it's been actually pretty good. Um, tough to work, real tough to, <laughs> to to get to get in the car and go down to the school and work when it's been like 85, no humidity, oh. uh, beautiful. But since we're on a um, four day work week in the summer, it's you know okay. we have Fridays off, so it's 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 not a problem. But uh, yeah, Thursday was real tough. Um, the other thing that I'm doing is I just got a book from my PLN the miracle morning. So I've been starting to read about that. I'm really trying to maximize my mornings. Yes. Thank you, Teresa and Jessica, who couldn't be here tonight. So they got me uh, hooked on the miracle morning. So very exciting. So yeah, everything's been going good. Went to the pool today with the kids and uh, just uh, looking forward to a a good topic tonight. How about you, Kelly? What's been going on? You said it's been hot in Colorado, but what what are you up to this week?
2: you know i am um, rewriting standards um this is the first year that anastasis will have its very own standards so i'm taking next generation science colorado social studies standards and the common core and kind of um, combining them and, and rewording them to really fit our circumstances the best And um, reworking, we also had to create a new method of assessment because we do things so different. So I've been working on that um, assessment piece as well, just creating a report card and creating kind of a whole assessment system for us. So um, been busy with that. And then when I'm not doing that, I've been doing um, Rodan and Fields skincare and just passionate about that to help um, young girls just kind of appreciate who they are and um not worry so much about covering up with makeup and the whole deal so that's what i'm doing in my spare time this summer
1: (laughs) this is going to be a theme Teresa, because like like Kelly just doesn't do anything like what everyone else does. And she also, there's a level and then there's a, there's another level and then there's the level that she goes to. So yeah. So just, you know, rewriting some standards and no.
2: basically no.
1: recreating, you know, um, probably makeup for, uh, for the next generation of kids. I mean,
2: yeah. <laughs> it's, no it's big deal. No big deal.
1: No big deal. Although Call I will neither. say you have to follow her on Instagram. Her, um, Every night, uh, it's like a ritual with her and her husband and her dog. They they take uh, sunset pictures of Colorado. Oh,
2: really cool. The I like best those sunsets ever. I, I i we've been around. We've been all over the place, and I'm telling you, Colorado's got the best sunsets.
0: Consistently oh, the best. They're awesome.
2: Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah she's uh, she's got some really good good uh, shots. So, um, so we're going to talk about. Starting your own school and you know how you went about doing that, but
3: <laughs> Spiky, uh, it was so Spiky. it like we're well, you know like you know we're gonna talk about you know how you made salsa last night?
2: Like, <laughs> what are you totally. talking about? Starting your own No, big yeah. deal. You know, like you know, what you do with that and how that yeah. all goes? Totally, just but, like making salsa. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I'm talk That's about great how you're, quote. You know, Please, yeah. can
1: somebody tweet that out? I mean, starting <laughs> school is just like making salsa. <laughs> That's great. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and like how you became connected. Because I know you got uh, connected pretty early on, and um, you know, just just tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So I never was kind of the technology guru. At least that wasn't my kind of bend when I started. Um, in education, I was really just started as an education teacher, and um, primary was my focus, so I ended up actually teaching a computer class um, kind of in a fluke it 's just what they happened to need me for and I taught primary um, computer classes and figured I could stay ahead of the technology of um, kindergarten through second graders. Little did I know <laughs> um, but in two thousand and seven um, really got involved in Twitter, and it was because of my husband was um, working at the time on a project um, for his work, he's a graphic artist, and he was doing something for Febreze for and had just started tweeting things, and so I really started getting into Twitter just to find out what was going on in his day. So he would tweet things like, it smells like apples in here, and then I would know that he was working on this new Febreze campaign. <laughs> so um, It was really cyber-stalking for my husband to begin with. <laughs> Uh, But then I realized um, I I also started a blog that same year um, my I learn technology blog And I realized what a great tool it was just for me to even capture what I was doing And that's really why I started the blog was so that I would remember these assignments and these different tools that I was finding So I wouldn't forget and then have to reinvent the wheel every year so it was really just a place a journal an online journal for me and then, as I got going, um, I realized that other people were actually reading it, which shocked me to no, to no end. Um, but I found other education bloggers that I really appreciated, um, and that led to me really just wanting to connect with those educators everywhere they were. So that's where I started finding them on Twitter, um, and then, really, it just took off from there. So. Um, kind of got a great core group that I got connected with, those those guys that started Ed Chats and all of the, the main chats. And um, and so just kind of surrounded myself by the right people at the right time. Um, it was completely serendipitous, but really lucky to kind of connect with other educators and um, learn more about what works worldwide and not just here in the States, um, you know, the tunnel vision kind of that we can get. So.
1: That's really cool. Um, can you tell us? Because uh, I've talked with you before about this, and I find it very fascinating. Because uh, you talk about getting a, a core group of uh, bloggers together, and um, can you tell us uh, a little bit what you did? Because what I what I think once again, Teresa, like I said, you know, she gets into blogging, and then she's going to tell you like what she did. How did she supported her PLN when they began blogging?
2: Yeah, so at the time I was also following cuz I was so new to blogging, I didn't really get what the I didn't understand that the purpose was to kind of connect people. I, again, I started it cuz I was doing something for me, but then my husband's like, "Man, you should really take advantage of this and like I bet you could make money with this." And I'm like, "No, this is you can't make money with blogging." So I um I started following this guy um named Darren and he wrote for Pro Blogger. He wrote this blog called Pro Blogger. And for a long time, it was like the top blog in the world, and he was making all kinds of money. So I just followed him kind of out of curiosity. He was a uh, photography blogger, and I don't even think he runs it anymore. Um, But he had a guest post on of these three guys who had um, formed an alliance, so to speak. I think they called it something different. But they they formed this alliance, and they just agreed that they would comment on each other's blogs every single day and kind of encourage each other uh, that way serendipitously that night I was watching the office and it was the episode where Dwight says, "Do you want to form an alliance with me?" <laughs> so um, it kind of all clicked for me and uh, when you're in education you like I can never turn that brain off so I'm like immediately like, yes, this is what I need to do so I um I titled the blog post and just said, do you want to form an alliance with me? I didn't even really know who read my blog. So it was like just this cast out this net and see who responds. Um, and I had 100 educators respond to me and say, yes, I want to be part of this alliance. So we really got together. And um, in this alliance, we agreed to read each other's blogs, to comment when we could. Um, I commented on every single blog because I'm OCD and can't. <laughs> can't pick and choose, so I would comment on every blog, um, every single day for a year, whoever had posted, um, and just committed to that. And we formed this really amazing group, and it had people like Shelly <clears throat> Terrell in it, and Stephen uh, Web 2.0, Web 2.0 Classroom, um, it had, uh, Nick Provenzano was a part of that group, just really kind of key people that, um, not only were great just to sur- surround me, Edna Saxon and Maggie, um, I can't think of her last name right now, but anyway, all of these kind of key people that um, really transformed the way that I thought about teaching and learning and what started as like a let's just support each other and help each other keep blogging turned into this awesome like connection of people and this crazy learning like think tank. So it was really a cool experience.
1: So once again, Teresa, so 100 blogs, so she's just going to read. Right,
3: why not? <laughs> and, and respond. Why would you, and, and respond. respond. And the, and, but, you know, in addition to her daily
1: <laughs> right, right.
3: routine.
2: Right. You know, at the time, was it was, I was just just doing the computer class and the blog, so it was a little more manageable in my life at that point. I don't know that I could do that now, but.
1: It's a great way to start, and, and um you know, Teresa um, really uh, w- worked with me in, in the book that I'm writing about connected educators, and and I shared that story, uh, Kelly's story, uh, in that as well, because uh, in in the section, you know, building a, a strong alliance, because I think it is an amazing story. Um, and, and you know, when you talk to Kelly and you hear about all this stuff, and then you talk to people who were in that alliance or who who uh, you know, work together. Uh, they're just so fond of those days because it really was an awesome way to support. And I and what my my point is that is that anyone could do that. And, and it would be a great idea for people who are starting the blog to say, hey, let's you know, let's let's read each other's stuff. Let's comment and help each other out. And it sounds like that's exactly what you guys did
2: it's a great way to meet people and to form those kind of strong bonds because when you're commenting on something, you have to read it at a different level than if you're just, you know, glancing through it. Um, and that was awesome for me. And, and I credit so much to Edna and, and Maggie because they both worked in IB schools. They still work in IB schools, but though that was transformative to me, I had never heard of inquiry as a stance. I think that I had been in schools where inquiry was a stance, but to really, kind of see that through their eyes was transformative to me in such a positive, made such an impact on me in a positive way. Um, And then just seeing the really cool things that people were doing with technology, the things that Nick was doing in his classroom, and just that kind of support, not even just as a blogger, but as an educator to know it can be such an isolating experience to just be in your own classroom. and. You know, you're with your kids and you do your thing and and you kind of feel isolated from other adults, like nobody really knows what I do here and it would be great to have feedback. And suddenly we have this like window into each other's classrooms where we could really feed off of each other and share ideas and um, kind of bond in a way that I hadn't done before in education. So it was really cool. Highly recommended.
1: That's awesome. In fact, um, Teresa, who's up in Michigan, is not very far from Nick, uh, the nerdy teacher. Yeah. And,
3: uh, yeah, before I moved, I think we were like, gosh, I don't know, like 10 or 15 minutes away. But, oh, awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah I'm a little bit further. Now I live closer to the airport. But yeah, he's super, super close. And in fact, he works with a, uh, a good friend of mine at the school that he's at. So.
2: Oh, that's great. Yeah, good guy. I like him a lot. He is a good guy.
1: So, um you started your your first blog, and then how many other blogs have you started since then?
2: <laughs> um, lost count. Can I say that? I, I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm probably twelve or thirteen in. Um, I keep up with five of them regularly pretty well, but um, yeah, I, I've got probably more than I can count. Um, there's a list. Wow. I like to keep things separate, I think is my problem. So I don't just blog about like education and dump it all in one place. I like to keep things separate. So I'm like, oh, I've never had that thought before. I better create a new blog.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
3: So, yeah.
2: Maybe a sickness. I'm not sure it's healthy. No. You know what? That, that makes <laughs> sense
3: because I struggle. I think part of, part of why I struggle with blogging so much is that I can't, figure out you know i've got my my principal blog but mm-hmm. what should go on there like where is the line what yes. should i do the same thing i had trouble when i when i first started my blog it was you know i had 15 different pages because yeah. there were, you know this is going to go here and this is going to go here and this is going to go here and i think it's just it's when you have you know that sort of mind that that separates things you know puts yeah. things into categories totally. it's really hard to just have one big blog where everything lives and then, you know, try to find it or you've got, you know, because people might not be interested in, you know, this part of what you're doing, but they might be super interested in this part of what you're doing. So, yeah, it's a, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I'm yeah. not saying it's not a sickness, but I get I it.
2: Think that, yeah, <laughs> seriously. I think that um, I learned technology has kind of become my catch all because even though it's primary, primarily technology, that's where people first found me. And so that's where I tend to cross post most things if I'm going to cross post. That makes sense. So
1: very cool.
3: Very it's cool. good that you've got the place that you know to do that, though. I
2: will say, it makes me a little uncomfortable to do it because of the separation <laughs> thing that I like, but it happens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and what was the longest um, streak that you had for blogging?
2: Uh, continuously, like every single day, doing it. Yeah. Four years. Good
3: grief. (laughs) (laughs) I can go like four days.
2: Yeah, four years. I learned technology. I could update every single day for four years. Um when I got out of the classroom, um and when I started the school is when it started becoming more sporadic. I just could not I can't discipline myself to do it all (laughs) every day. After answering emails and going through my inbox, I'm done for the day. Right. Amen.
1: Amen. That's
2: enough typing and writing. Yes.
1: I I definitely attribute uh, this this thing that I'm trying this year, Kelly, to you because I do remember when we talked before and you had you had told me about the the four year streak. And um, so I, my goal this year was to do a blog a day. So I'm up to day 200.
2: Nice. And, uh, Congratulations. Yeah,
1: thank you. And it's been um, you know what, actually, I will say it's been a lot easier than I thought mm-hmm. because of, you know, and I know this might sound corny or cliche, but it's like, because of my PLN, like yeah. Teresa and I will Vox back and she won't even know that she've dropped some sort of seed. And then yes. the next thing I know, I'll write a blog about it, or I'm just out somewhere and things come in to me and I just start blogging about it. You know, it's, it's really, it's actually a lot easier than I thought. And it you know, granted it takes discipline, yeah. um, but I think anything worth, you know, you
2: start seeing everything through that lens and that helps so much.
1: And, um, the, the way that things go now, like I was at my podiatrist the other day, uh, I have some problems with my foot. Right. And I went to high school with him. He's a great guy, uh, awesome podiatrist. And, uh, he said, uh, Hey, I really love your blog, and I guess he sees it, you know, on Facebook.
2: Oh, nice! You know, and I'm like, oh,
1: that's that's awesome, you know, <laughs> that's like fun. like really cool, you know. So uh, it's it's very helpful, and I think um, also like from doing this the show, you know, I think what we all do is is that same sort of thing, you know. Of course, like I always say, like with Teresa, her first year starting as a principal, she was like, well, I want to do weekly podcasts, so that's mm-hmm. how we got this whole thing started. It's just
3: it's
2: like little nuggets of ideas.
3: I also need a 12 step program.
2: Yes, <laughs> <totally>. <laughs> we should maybe start that. that could be That's right.
3: that'll, that'll be our, our accountability. Yes. Yelling.
1: Well, I haven't blogged today, so I might, I might grab that now. There uh, you know. So, um, one of the things that I think is very interesting, you, you know, you're also very open to when you, when you blog, you've, you've uh, talked a little bit about your struggles with rheumatoid arthritis, and can you discuss the impact that that's had on you and, and your career?
2: Yeah, you know, it plays, it's funny the way that it kind of has played a theme throughout my life that I don't think I realized until I hear about it from other people, um, but I've had, I got diagnosed with RA when I was nine, and I had it even before then. Um, but really a stupid, ugly <laughs> disease that just makes you feel like you're 98 years old in this young body and like, you can't do what other people are doing. Cause you just feel like in pain all the time. Like every joint, like you've been hit by a truck. Um, so I have struggled with that throughout my life and, um, and it played a lot of different roles in my life, but when I was younger, it really made me feel like I wasn't good enough. Like I wasn't, you know, I'm not coordinated. I probably wouldn't be even if, um, (laughs) even if I didn't have the RA, something tells me that that's not my skill and not my gift, but that just emphasized that that was the case. So I felt really, you know, you feel awkward anyway at that time, but I felt extra awkward because I couldn't like, you know, in gym, I couldn't run like everyone else. It was really just awkward for me. I couldn't move, you know, it just small things that you wouldn't think would matter um, really just took a toll. So definitely had an impact on my self-esteem younger, which is why I'm so passionate now about really helping girls understand that that's who, how they feel, how they perceive themselves is not the way the rest of the world perceives them. And so um, kind of transforming that body image and that self-image for girls. Um, But then as far as um, the way it impacted my career uh, When I was um, teaching the computer class I was eight years in and um, Really just starting to struggle so much to the point where it was getting hard to walk It was getting hard to just maneuver around Um, I had kind of tapped out just the um, all of my options as far as uh, drugs that I could take um, for the age bracket I was in and, and different things so I had tried just about everything, nothing was really working. Um, I had tried natural things, those weren't, didn't seem to be working. So I went to my rheumatologist kind of just desperate, like, what do I do? And so he said, um, you know, I just think that maybe you need to take some time outside of the classroom. And I'm like, what? And he said, Well, you're around these germs all the time, and this is an autoimmune disorder. Obviously, your immune system is always on high alert, but being around so many germs, I had 435 kids a week through my computer lab, I was like the hub of germs. Um, he said, Being around so many is extra hard. Your immune system's working even harder, but instead of attacking what it should attack, it's attacking you. Um, So he said, "I just want you to take a year off and see what happens. Let's just test it. I don't, you know, we we've kind of run out of other options." Um, So I reluctantly um, left the classroom and just thought, "Well, I'll just take a year off and I'll prove that that's not really the solution. But maybe in the meantime, I'll find a solution." Um, But in the year I took off, I did go into remission. So. Um, clearly, that had played in somehow with kind of what was going on. Um, just I think being around so many kids and so much yucky stuff all the time did take an impact. So um, to, in that year that I took off, I did a lot of consulting for schools and I kind of worked, but it it also gave me a different perspective of like I worked in a private school. Um, the first year I taught, I worked in a public school, and then the second year I worked or the subsequent years I worked in a private school. Um, But when I went and I was consulting, I really started seeing themes in all of the different schools of, like, what was um, not working in education well, and that theme kind of carried through. No matter what school that I visited, I saw these common, like, stumbling blocks for kids and um, kind of problems arising for kids in education and just started thinking, you know, this could probably go differently.
1: Wow, that that's interesting. You know, to be able to to take that that time and reflect, and then be able to see it, you know, from a different perspective. And uh, and that must have been tough. I know, because I do. I think I remember me reading your blog post about that, where you really did have to struggle with with taking that time off. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: clearly I'm not somebody who likes to not do anything. Like, <laughs> I like being busy. I like having things to do. But um, so that was hard for me. And two, I had just become so, like, I had just realized that education really was this passion that I had and that I loved being around the kids. And so hearing, like, well, you chose wrong. You're going to have to find a new career was really, that was hard for me to hear and hard to kind of wrap my head around because I I never would have thought I would be somebody to start a school or do something um, outside of just being in the classroom. So...
3: Yeah, it's it's really it's you know it's so much harder when someone else tells you that that has to be your choice. You know, yes. it's different when you come to that conclusion on your own and it's yeah. still hard, but when someone else tells you that that's going yeah. to be the decision, it really makes it pretty tough.
2: Yep. Yeah. Well, and he's looking at me like my options are, well, you could be 30 and in a wheelchair or you could stop teaching yeah. for a year and see what oh. happens like, oh. like, well, both of those are crappy I teach
3: so. Technology, so maybe that's you know it's like you know i did a virtual amazing. classroom the year i took yeah, off i
2: offered a virtual classroom for my kids so that just so i could stay in touch with these yeah. kids built relationships like i had kids from five years old until they graduated from the, their fifth grade class into the middle school and so I had such strong bonds with these kids. It wasn't like it's not it's never easy to leave, but it really yeah. was hard.
3: I taught music and I had the same thing. I had the um I had the same kids from, you know, kindergarten through 5th grade and then I had them again in high school. And when I got laid off, it was like it's devastating. Know, yeah, it was my whole life because yeah. I had the same kids, you know, and then I got to see them again as they were graduating. My first 5th grade class were had graduated the year that I was the year before I was laid off so I got to see you know this entire group of kids become young adults and it was it was just I mean it's it's horrifying when you have to leave this you know this life especially you know being a specialist teacher some people think that a lot of the classroom teachers sometimes think that you don't have that bond with your students Uh, but when you have you know I have them 80 minutes a week and I've got them for six years You know, it's a very huge. huge. Well,
2: Well, yeah. in, in technology, what was really cool for me was being able to not only bond with them while I had them in the classroom, but we had virtual classrooms even while I was there. We used think.com and these different things. So really got to know these kids so well because I kind of, you know, I was teaching them how to use social media, but then right. we were using it. So then you get to know them on a whole different level. It was really cool, yeah. um, but it, hard to leave.
3: Absolutely. So, so then, with that, how did you get the idea of starting your own school? Is this did this all come from from the you know that it was this the end of this tailspin that you were going
2: through? Um, kind of. I mean, it all happened really. I don't know that it's replicatable the way that it happened in my life or anyone else. But it was really this, um, these moments of just hunches and ideas colliding and things happening that, um, that just led to it. And one of those things was I was, um, because I had all this time, I could participate in every single ed chat, which was awesome. And I loved that part of, of having that year off. But I was um, participating in these ed chats. I was still consulting for schools. I was aligning a lot of curriculum. So I would take Literally every stitch of curriculum from these schools and they would say here's all of these books and textbooks that we use Now tell us how we can align technology with them And so I would go through page by page Looking at looking through this curriculum at like what does the curriculum do? What does it say? What does it ask of students? Where are the places that we could use technology that would feel natural and not like well here's this piece of technology just so we can say you're using tech Right. Um, so I really tried to tie it in um, but as I was going through all this curriculum I'm thinking back to the students I taught and I'm going well this differentiation that they say is differentiation is just one level higher or one level lower like there's nothing here that's going to help and I'm thinking of certain kids in my mind you know I have all of these kids that are coming to mind and as I'm going through grade level after grade level, I realized the activities never even change. It's the same exact activity, but a different level of that activity. So now we're not writing out just vocabulary, you know, of cat and hat and sat, we're also writing vocabulary for more advanced words. Well, it but the activity and what they're asking is exactly the same from grade level to grade level. So I'm thinking, well, no wonder these kids are not getting it or are bored to tears or, you know, by the time they hit fifth grade, they hate school. It's because school hasn't changed for them in five years and it's never done anything to meet their needs. Um, it's never met them where they're at. It always is asking them to kind of jump through these artificial education hoops. And I worked with a lot of different curriculum. So I knew it wasn't just like one company that this was the case for. And just really seeing that, um, going through all of that just brought a lot to kind of unrest of something's got to change. And initially, I thought that change would come just through technology. I thought, well, I'll just give them enough technology and enough supplements that that it can change how this is going. Well, the problem is that most of these schools really couldn't, they wanted to say that they did technology, but they really didn't have the resources or the ability to really do it well or to focus on it. So nobody's going to, you know, only have one computer in their classroom and then use all of this tech or try to use all of this technology when they don't have the resources available to really do it the right way or do it well. So um, I was involved in an ed chat one day and listening to Pandora internet radio and uh, Pandora came with a song that I had never heard before. And I was like frantically searching for a sticky note to write down who this, artist was because I just loved her and I'm thinking this is brilliant like how crazy is it that technology has gotten to a point where it can choose something as personal as music and bring me something as personalized as music and tell me what I will like and it's pretty dead that's on you know it's pretty right on so I um, I just sent out I was doing in a chat at the time and I just sent out a tweet that said why can't curriculum look more like Pandora and I kind of couldn't let go of that idea. And um, that really started me thinking about the learning genome. And um, uh, Pandora is called the Music Genome Project. So that's where I got the Learning Genome Project. But I thought, couldn't we do something where technology really could match the perfect resources with the kids who need those resources and help teachers with that process? So um, as I was thinking through what that could look like, I started sketching out what a school would look like, that that would work in. Because I thought, you know, most public schools or most traditional school settings will use something like this for their very highest kids who they don't know what to do with and their very lowest kids, and all of those in the middle still get forgotten. So I thought, okay, if that's not the case, then what does, then what? What does it look like?
1: <laughs> so the the learning genome N, um and your school came together around the same time?
2: Yeah, the learning genome actually came first. So I prototyped that idea all out. I um, started meeting with people, um, just really networking and trying to find somebody who would help me build it or who could you know, tell me somebody who would fund it or who could kind of connect dots for me. Um, along the way, I met amazing, incredible, incredible people. Um, and then there was a Colorado Learning 2.0 conference. It's a free conference in Colorado um, and it was up north and I went to that one weekend in January or February and brought along some colleagues that I had worked with um, at the school that I worked at and we all went to this conference and we kind of sitting down and just listening. We were sitting in this um, session. and. I don't even remember really what the topic was, but it was something education reform related. And I was having a text chat with um, the guy next to me who came with me. He was a fifth grade teacher at the school I taught at. And we're having this kind of side conversation as, the, as it's going. And um, everything that we're saying on our chat, this guy across the room is saying the exact same things. Like, it's like eerie, eerily saying exactly what we're typing, as if he's, like, got tapped in and is reading what we're saying and just saying <laughs> it out loud. Um, so afterwards, we kind of nailed this guy down in the hallway and said, hey, who are you and why are you saying all the things we're saying? And uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, I was supposed to have met this gentleman, and somebody had connected us and said, you've got to meet. And we were supposed to meet the Friday before the conference, and he stood me up. So we happened to just meet at this conference serendipitously, and it was the same guy. um, His name is Jason Martinez, and he uh, was working at the time in Denver Public School System, and he had started 13 schools in DPS. And so we just started talking, and I said, you know, um, uh, we've always wanted, I was talking about the fifth grade teacher with me, and I said, we've always wanted to start a school, and we've kind of talked about what that, you know, what that dream school could look like, and... Uh, Jason looked at us and said, well, why not just, you should just do it. Like, you could do this. I've done it. You could do it. Um, so we, uh, I met with him the week after that, the Monday after that. We met up at a local bookstore coffee shop, and um, he showed me how he laid out in spreadsheets a timeline to start a school. And on paper, it looks really, really doable. Um, <laughs> So that was in February, and uh, we kept talking. In um, May, we formed as a as an actual LLC so that we could um, get our 501c3. And by August, we had opened up. So it happened pretty quick. We started a school in four months. But really, the catalyst was that conversation, um, and and several conversations after that on Twitter with my PLN, um, Cyberman Jerry. He uh, he said we should start a twit acad, like a Twitter academy, and I was like, yes, let's do that. And and a lot of those conversations kind of played into it. Meeting Jason, um, it all it all made me feel like, well, I, I, this feels doable. This feels like we could we could make this happen and we could do this. So um, that fifth grade teacher actually had uh, his administrative license. Um, he quit his position at the school and joined me, and he is actually the acting principal of the school. Um, now, so that's kind of how it went down Wow
1: You know what, Teresa, I was thinking that that guy totally was from the NSA and he was just checking out Kelly <laughs> totally he like,
2: could be. <laughs> He's like, this girl's got way too much social media There's presence. so What's much money. on here? like
1: we, we're, we're, we gotta dial in on this, this the ca- yeah. character yeah. Or it's, There's something she wants Something's to change
2: shady here. She yeah. wants to
1: change and improve things
2: Yeah <laughs> It absolutely could be that that's the case.
1: Yeah, and then they just gave you the green light cuz they just want to see, you know, how far oh, how far she's going to take let's it. Let's
2: see what this is going yeah, yeah, let's pre-K see how. k 8 next
1: thing you know she's going to want to graduate kids, Yeah.
2: Know. Yeah.
1: So, I guess, you know, it, and it's we're we're Teresa and I are coming from different uh in the same, in, in a sense, we're coming from different planes because she's in Catholic education, I'm in public education, you're in private education. So mm-hmm. I guess from my vantage point, like, and this could be to both of you, it's like, what's wrong with public education? And I know that's a real loaded question, but, like, you often don't have to deal with the same things that we do. And what we have to deal with is sometimes just contrary to everything, like, for instance, what you just talked about.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I don't think the problem is with public education. I think the problem with it is with how society in general views education. Um, one of the things that Sir Ken Robinson says a lot that I love is we make assumptions about the way things ha- should be based on assumptions. So we think that spelling has to be done a certain way because we assume that that's the way spelling is done, not because it has to be done that way, not because that's the right way it's based on this assumption that that's just the way it goes and I think we've gotten so complacent in education in general with well this is just the way that education works this is how it happens this is how it goes Um, that I really I think if we could take a step back from those assumptions and really look at education um, without the emotion i say that but i have a lot of emotion involved in how i look at education but i think if we can separate out like well this is how it was done when i was a kid and you know i turned out fine that kind of um, mentality it would really change a lot for us um and the other thing i think we have gotten so married public or private education to curricula and to these publishers who sell us this stuff. And we've gotten so married to these products that we stopped thinking about like what's really best for kids. And it's not a boxed curriculum that says this fits all of your children. It really is looking at your kids and recognizing them as individuals, recognizing the humanity there and saying, how do I reach this student? How do I help them recognize uh, the gifts that they've been given that the things that are in them? And how how do I really make that meet their needs the best that we can and not assume that this curriculum that we bought because it came in this really shiny package and the salesperson was really convincing that that's going to meet needs. Two, the tests are tied to that curriculum, so I also have a beef there because I don't believe that's the best way to find out what a child knows and can do. Um, I think it's astounding that we have um, kids who do really well, I mean, they learn so much for, before they even enter formalized education. They've never had a test, like, you know, there's no parent grilling them with, you know, what what was that word again? How do you say that word? What do you, you know, there's, there's no parents doing that. And yet, as soon as they get an education, we think, Well, we have to give them tests so that we know where they are. Well, no, we don't. We just have to pay attention because if you're paying attention, you know where they are. You don't have to test. You don't need a piece of paper to tell you that if you're doing your job right, if you're being intentional and paying attention. Um, So I think think that's um, my biggest beef with um, public education, but I think just traditional education in general is the reliance on um, curriculum and testing.
1: Teresa, did you want to mention that from the the chat room?
3: Uh yeah, Toby Brown uh just posted in the chat room that he remembers the day that you sent out a tweet asking for comments on the uh learning genome project.
2: Oh, that's fun.
3: Yeah.
1: So, Kelly, how do you assess then? I mean, I'm sure you get asked this a lot of you know, a lot of time. <clears throat> um, and and I'm sure you know, even though you, you have parents who are probably, you know, you know, they're all in and they're excited. I'm sure part of them is also wondering like, okay, so yeah, how's this all going to work out?
2: Yeah, it's the biggest, um, it's the biggest hurdle that we face for sure is helping parents see because they're comfortable with it when you talk them through the entire process of how it goes. But I think the problem is they see they see or hear from neighborhood kids that you know, oh, my student it just got on honor roll or my student just got, you know, s- scored this on this test and they're doing so well or they're not doing well. Um, so it's, it's the first thing that we tell parents when they're coming in is your children do not lose their teeth at the same time. They don't grow at the same rate. They don't do anything really at the sa- on the same day at the same time. Um, you see your neighborhood kids' teeth fall out and they're the same age as your child. You don't take your kid to the dentist and have all their teeth ripped out because they need to be at the same level. You know, They need to have everything the same as the neighbor kid. But there's this weird thing that happens when we enter school and we suddenly think they should be able to multiply it on the exact same day in the exact same way at the exact same rate or there's something wrong with them. They should be able to read at the exact same time on the exact same day at the exact same rate or there's something wrong with them. What we say is, that's ridiculous. We everything we do in life happens very developmentally. Now, if I become, if I'm a 12 year old and I've never lost one tooth, that's problematic, and that's when you take, you know, the, you take them to the dentist when developmentally it's outside of the range of uh, what's acceptable for the norm. The problem in education is we don't wait for that development to happen. We kind of force the development along, and the problem with that is. When we're forcing those connections in the brain to be made, they're false connections or they're never made at all. And then a student who struggled with it from the beginning, even a brilliant, smart student who's capable, starts to feel further and fall further and further behind. And then they start getting the labels, right? They start getting the I'm dyslexic, I'm... I have this learning disability, I'm twice exception, you know, whatever the label is, they can be good labels too. For example, it can be, I'm a straight A student, I'm an honor roll. The problem with both of those labels is they lead to apathy. On the one hand, you have the student who's apathetic because no matter how hard I try, I'm starting from a deficit and I'm never going to get to where everybody else is. And so why put in the effort, why try? because this is just who I am and I'm wearing this label and I'm gonna wear this label proudly and say that's why I can't do anything. So you get the apathy from that standpoint. You also get the apathy from the, the student who's straight A student because they that A signifies something and I was this student, it signifies I'm done learning, I know it all already, I have nothing left to learn, I have nothing left that I need to, to do and that's a different form of apathy and both of our, them are dangerous because it it signifies this stop and it's such an artificial stop nothing in life stops that way there's it's this constant journey and so for me I really when I look at these kids um, the first thing I I try to help parents understand is when we're assessing we're looking at them developmentally we're not comparing them to the kid that's the same age in the same class so our goal for kids is not can we get them to look like everyone else our goal for kids is can we take this child from where they are and make forward progress every single day? Regardless of where they start, our goal is always forward progress. Now, we want them obviously to, to have a range of um, skills and goals and um, learning goals that they've met before they leave us and head to high school because they need to have this body that they can build on as they're headed to high school. But within those years, we really have a lot of play Um, In what we can do with kids and they don't all have to read when they're five we can have kids who who? Really aren't readers until they're seven and that's okay or eight and that's okay Um, What we're finding is that the kids who have been labeled in the past um, those labels start to not look the same when they're with us and the labels fall off because um, not because we we just don't use them which we don't but also because they're when they're allowed to grow and learn at their own rate it really transforms everything and suddenly they don't feel like the stupid kid in class they see that they can contribute and they realize that even though i'm not the best at this skill there's other skills that i have that that kid that's really good at this skill doesn't have and so they start to recognize their own giftings they start to recognize where they do um, have impact they start to see how they um, contribute now and not sometime in the future. The other thing we do for kids, um, when they come into our school, we give them a full learning profile. So we look at their, um, their learning style preferences. We don't hang everything on those, but we look at the what, what are their preferences. If they got to choose, how would they best learn? Uh, we look at multiple intelligence strengths, brain dominance, um, interest and passions, and they go through this whole, we made it into like a, a card game. But we go through this game with them the first two days of school, and the teachers do it one-on-one with the kids. The parents just sign up for an hour slot, and they really get an opportunity before they even step into the classroom to share who they are. Um, So our teachers have an advantage in that. When their kids are coming in, they already know what floats their boat. They already know what they really enjoy. They already know um, kind of how they learn and and who they are as as a student from there we look at <clears throat> where they're falling in the standards and then we're looking at forward progress this is why we had to write our own standards because the common core are written very um they're written very uh, grade level specifically so we needed just a continuum from kindergarten through eighth grade so that's why we rewrote them and um so every student has this, this big packet of here's all of the skills that we want for you to learn before you leave us. And as they learn them, we put the date on that they've learned them, and that's how we keep track of where kids are in their learning. As far as the assessment goes, um, we really focus on formative assessment and ipsative assessment. So the ipsative is just, okay, you did this today, can you do one better tomorrow? or two better or three better. So we're not comparing them against all their peers, we're comparing them and we're helping them see, here's where you are today, let's make a new go for tomorrow. So um, that formative assessment, uh, we don't give homework. We need to see what our kids are doing because every step of that process is how we're assessing. So we're watching, how are they writing, what's hanging them up, when they're thinking through this, when they're having a discussion, where, Where's what are they thinking, where are they going? And so it really is just what you would do with your own children at home. It's, you're so involved in everything they're doing that you're seeing where their learning is. Um, so we don't really need the formalized. We have a lot of projects, so they're doing projects constantly. It's not the worksheets. Um, we're an inquiry-based school, so we're constantly outside of the school as well. We take a field trip with every class every week. Um, based on the inquiry block we're in. So there's a lot of learning that happens from experts that our teachers are watching how that interaction goes and what questions they're asking and where they're going. Um, That's really how we assess. So it happens every single moment of every single day and our teachers would tell you that's absolutely true. (laughs) Um, It's a lot of work, um, but we we, uh, also uh, cap class sizes to 12 students per teacher. And so that's um, that's one of the ways that we make that a little bit more manageable. As far as actually tracking it so that it's transparent for parents, um, we do that using rubrics. So our teachers will fill out rubrics. They also um, keep a log of learning evidence that the kids do. So that learning evidence and the rubrics um, ends up showing up, um, and I can tweet this out, but it ends up in this, this wheel that we've created that really shows the whole child. So it's not just a math grade, a science grade, a social, you know, like you typically get. They have um, those categories, but instead of just saying math, it says mathematician, because what we really want is our kids thinking like mathematician, scientist, historian. Um, But then we also get into attitudes of learning, because what we want our kids to see is, if you are not a risk taker and you're not willing to take risks, math's gonna be really hard. And you're not going to do well in math. And it has nothing to do with your math ability. It has to do with your unwillingness to take a risk. So we really want to break down even further than kind of your traditional behavior or character. Because what we want kids to see is exactly what part of this character trait is playing into how the rest of this goes. What attitude towards learning is um, playing into everything else. If I don't have perseverance, that makes a difference in (laughs) how my writing looks. Because if I can't persevere, I can't get to the end of of my writing. So that will affect that. Um, We also want parents to see that. But really, our goal for assessment is always to help students kind of um, pick apart their own learning and really see exactly what that looks like.
1: Uh, You know, I've said to Kelly before, Teresa, I'm like, I want to open up uh, one of her schools in South Jersey. Just because (laughs) – If you think about what she just said, like how hard would it be? Now, granted, her school starting in a month. I just looked on the website. A month from now, which is crazy. Do you, what? When do you guys start, Teresa?
2: Ah, uh, that makes me we start after Labor
1: Day. <laughs> after Labor Day, right? Yeah, so man. yeah, I don't want to give you Ajita Kelly, but you're you're oh, man. a month away. <laughs> um, you know what? What would stop us, like in the future of you know two days before school, three days before school, anytime, like you know, in August, making appointments to have kids come in and have that conversation, mm-hmm. you know, w- with staff about, you know, who really, who are they, you know, and, and yeah. where do they want to go, and and I love that, that inquiry-based, um, you know, approach that you have, because then you really have, you, you really take a lot of that why do we have to learn this away,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Like I guarantee you, you don't have a lot of kids saying, I don't know why we have to learn this because they're always seeing that.
2: Yeah, uh, really rare.
1: Now in the first school that she had, uh, Teresa, they actually <laughs> they brought a Jeep into the school.
2: That, we lease space. So I don't know if you <laughs> know this, but we, um, we do lease space. And the reason is um, we literally, when I started the school, we didn't have any endowments. We had no like fundraiser for it, we had literally $0 in the bank. Um, there was none, nothing that we contributed, I think I contributed $60 to make copies for our information nights and that was it. Um, we, we started this school with $0. So anyone th- that thinks, you know, oh, I've got to raise all this money or I've got to do all of these campaigns to raise money or get all these people on board, um, it, it, it makes life easier later. But you don't have to do that. You can really start from zero dollars. And the way that we did that was by, um, we had an enrollment fee that was due. Um, Again, we're a private school so we are tuition based. But what I did is we um, created the school based on per pupil expenditure in the district that we're in because what I wanted to show is this is not an issue of money. Mm. Anybody could do this. This is not a money issue. The issue is how are you spending your money and what is your goal and your focus? And so I wanted to prove that, regardless of how much money um, a district had, that it was possible to do this for kids, to individualize to this level for kids. So our uh, tuition is nine thousand dollars a year. Um, we asked our, we hired teachers with no money in the bank. That was nerve wracking. <laughs> Michelle moved here with no money in her That's bank. right.
1: Yeah, Michelle. So, uh, me from yeah, she moved Twitter. from
2: Nebraska to uh, Colorado for for us, and. Um, so we really started really lean, and we leased space. Um, we targeted churches because churches are such great buildings. They're already set up so wonderfully, and they're empty the entire week, and what a waste of space. So we said, well, why not u- utilize that space? Um, so the first space that we did use, um, we walked into this place, and and initially the the building manager who was showing us around was like, "Well, we've got all these classrooms," and he's showing us these teeny tiny little class, you know, just a traditional classroom. And we're like, "No, we really are looking for like big open spaces, like we're talking Google." And he gets this big smile on his face, and he's like, "I think I, I think I've got exactly what you need." And that's the that's the rooms that had the half jeeps cut. Um, <laughs> we walked into that space, and it looked amazing so we got really lucky that first year that that space was available to us and then we outgrew it the second year so we had to kind of reinvent again how do we use classrooms how do we use space um so sadly we don't have the jeep anymore no. the kids loved the jeep um, but we do have really great space and we've um this is more traditional space that probably any school would have similar space to what we've got the first year we were there, we used the space just like regular classrooms, which I hated, hated, hated. Um, and the kids didn't like it either. They missed the the kind of bigger open spaces because they had so many opportunities to learn from each other the first year that when you put them in separate classrooms, no longer happens. You kind of start nesting in there. So we, um, the second year that we were at, the, this was last year, I said, we are not having any classrooms. Nobody gets a classroom. There will be no nesting. <laughs> um, and so I, we made spaces. And the idea of postures of learning, that in each room there's a posture of learning. There's a way of learning that will happen in that room. And so we have a coffee shop. We have a prototype lab. We have a campfire room. We have genius labs. We have um, a theater room. We have a silent like a ninja room. Um, So our goal with those is really to teach kids that in different spaces there are different expectations And it kind of triggers that natural response of when I walk into this room. I know what to expect Whereas when everything happens in one classroom one you don't get the benefit of anyone's learning around you, but two you also um, it's also hard for kids particularly kids with executive function things going on it's hard for them to understand that sometimes it's okay to be really loud in here and sometimes I have to be completely silent and sometimes it just makes it really hard for them so when you have these different spaces that signal when I'm in here this kind of learning happens it really kind of changes things for those kids that struggle with that.
1: That is just so amazing I, I don't know I'm just so jealous.
2: You can do it 4 months to your own I know. Skill.
1: <laughs> it's, only, hey, it's July, you know me now.
2: <laughs> Open in uh, November, you'll be fine. Right. That's it. No, problem. no
1: problem. Well, you know, and the charter school movement um and I remember talking with you about this and and you kind of stayed away from that because you're still beholden to you know that you know, public education dollars. So you, you did look into charters, but you decided and There's a
2: lot of there's lots of hoops to jump through that we didn't in Colorado, um, they make it ridiculously easy to start a school a private school. Um there's four requirements and they're all manageable. So for us to start a school as a private school was like starting a small business. You have to have obviously a safe work environment. Um, You have to say the pledge which I thought was interesting. So we say the pledge every morning and you have to teach the Constitution by seventh grade Um, There's one other that I'm that's not coming to mind, but it's like well, duh, you know It's kind of one of those (laughs) things that it's so simple that Obviously you would do that if you're starting. Oh, you have to have a, a curriculum. That's got some sort of a sequence that moves forward so those are the requirements for starting a school in Colorado. So we thought, well, we could do that. That's, you know, that's no big deal. We can definitely do those. Um, and so, it, like I said, manageable. We, we were lucky that it is such an easy process in Colorado that literally we formed an LLC and then transferred it to a 501c3. So we are a not-for-profit now.
1: Very cool. Well, I, I have one more question before we get into our our weekly word association game. I don't. Do you have anything else, Teresa, from the chat room? Uh,
3: nothing that I have seen, but let me do one more check.
1: So, while she's doing that, um, Kelly, what are your next steps with the uh, the school?
2: Um, well, this year, like I said, we're implementing that the our our own standards, which is kind of exciting. I feel like we. I feel like this is our year where we really become ourselves fully. Um, we are um, hosting a conf- an education conference um, to kind of show off and showcase what we do to help people think about education differently. That's happening February 20th through the 22nd, details to come. So we're really, really excited about that possibility. Um, we're just start- in the planning stages of that, so um, we don't even have a name yet, so if anyone wants to shout out, we can, we can uh, crowdsource a name here for that conference, but we are super excited for that um, just to just to create a place that we can all come together and really um, transform education. Think about education apart from the assumptions of um, most conferences you go to still have the assumption that school works this way. So even the innovative conferences tend to think within those confines. We really wanna say, let's not think within any confines and then we can come back and scale it back and make it more reasonable. Um, so we're excited about that. We're getting our um, assessment system really dialed in. Uh, right now it's in numbers. So it's a spreadsheet and it's so hacked and like paper clipped and duct taped together. It's amazing. <laughs> but um, we're hoping, I'm hoping to get that actually um, usable as an app so that we can um, use it, utilize it better within that it's just got a better user interface but also that we can share it with everybody else. Um, so that other schools can start to utilize that different type of assessment, and it really does, it gives parents so much more information than your typical report card. It gives students so much more information about their own learning. So um, we're doing that, that's exciting. Uh, We have a a huge garden, and that's really getting off the ground. We partnered with a um, organization in town here called Same Cafe, it stands for So All May Eat, and uh, they have a really cool ministry that they um, uh, a chef works there, like a five star chef. He's amazing. He works there and he um, he cooks food all day long with donations of things that people bring, and uh, anybody can eat at this place. It's a it's a nice little cafe downtown, and um, you'll have really great. Business people dress to the nines and they're having lunch alongside a family who can't afford to eat out Um, And you pay what you can and if you can't pay anything Then you donate some of your time to wipe down tables or whatever it is So our garden um, helps feed those people and our kids go down there and work and um, so really cool partnership We we love uh, the people down at same cafe and then um, We um, yeah, I I don't know. We've got a lot of things in the hopper right now. We're also looking to start a benefit corporation. Um, and the benefit corporation would obviously, the benefit would be for um, our school and to start other schools like our school. And the benefit corp could do things like own land and, and um, have a variety of activities happening on it um, that help support the school and help support others. So we're excited about all of those. Um, things that are kind of milling around in the hopper and heading towards getting our own building here soon. So, all happy things.
3: Sounds like it, (laughs) oh my goodness. Um, One quick question from the chat room is from Peggy George who is a a retired administrator and she wants to know Mm -hmm. how the school population is impacted by the $9,000 tuition charge and how diverse is the school?
2: Yeah, that has been honestly the hardest part for uh, us personally, for Matthew and I personally, Matthew's the administrator, because we see how this could so impact so many people positively and so many kids positively, Um, but it does limit our, the $9,000 does limit our demographic. So we tend to have a higher middle class um, demographic of kids. However, every year we um, have just decided that 10% we are going to give away. And so we do do scholarships, and that um, helps diversify our population a little bit, um, but not nearly what it could be if it was free. Our goal is to go free, which is why we're starting the Benefit Corp, so that we can provide the education for everybody.
1: Wow. That's very, very cool. That is so cool. All right. Well, Teresa, you ready to shift some gears with Kelly and see if she can think on her feet?
3: I think so. (laughs) This so is, if you yeah. don't
1: be, oh, yeah, go ahead. don't be peeking into the Google Doc now, oh, Kelly.
2: Now you're oh, out. Gosh. All you're right.
1: Because I know you're a multitasker. You probably got five. I I somewhere. have them both
2: open, so I just scrolled back up, so I can't see it. Okay. okay. So
1: good. go ahead, Teresa. Because this is our first person from Colorado we're playing with. So, yes. Yeah, so we don't know um, how you play this game.
3: Apparently, it's different depending on where you is, are.
1: It is in, in different states.
3: <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. It's it's bizarre. So. Uh, we play word association with mm-hmm. our um, with our guests, and it's some of them have been crowdsourced from the chat room. Some of them are things that we've thought of. So it's been going on while um, you know while we're having the interview. And so what we do is we ask you um, either a word or a short phrase, okay. and then you respond with one word, just one word, no sounds, no sentences, no paragraphs. <laughs> Okay. Um, am I leaving anything out, Spike? No hand motions for those. Uh, it's who, just,
2: oh. it's... I better sit on them because I use <laughs> those all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you
3: can you can incorporate them into your answer. It just can't be your answer.
2: Okay. 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 And, and so, we've gotten a lot yeah. of funny
1: responses. We've always said like,
2: oh boy, you know,
1: um, just, people from Wisconsin seem to really struggle with it. Um, <laughs> and you. by and large, no one gets through it without just doing just the one word. So.
3: So it should be interesting. We have a lot of words here, so I don't think we'll use them all. Um Spike, if you're looking at the doc, the first four were from the chat room. So oh, cool. I'll give That's those and then you can kind of jump through, you know, whichever one she I don't know if okay. she wants to answer. Thirty five words said, No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 There's only like, you know, fifteen at the most. Um, okay, so the first like I said, these first four are from our chat room. So uh the first the first word for you is happiness.
2: Project. Whoa.
3: Differentiation,
2: individualization. Oh, she's
1: good. Yes, she is good.
2: Peggy
3: George just said that the hardest thing for educators
1: to do is limit themselves
3: to one-word responses.
2: That's true, she's, especially yeah. I'm. I tend to be wordy too, so that's hard.
1: <laughs> she's. I, you know what? I give her two for two so far. I
2: know she's good. Uh, PLN, connected. Rigor. Stupid.
3: <laughs> that's pretty much the context that was in the chat room as well <laughs> alright All right. Uh, Spike I'm going to let you pick through the next couple ok
1: Twitter friends ok if anyone knows her and sees the things that she posts I'm going to she'll know what I'm talking about here that boy Jay Tinkley
2: love <laughs>
1: everything about her husband is always like that boy um I'm trying to get her to talk more, she won't.
2: <laughs> good. I'm she's a good, good rule follower.
1: Yeah, <laughs> good. Although she starts this school that has like not a lot I of know, rules. I know, so no like, <laughs> it's,
2: <laughs> it's totally true. I'm a
3: recovering rule follower. Have you ever seen the did you guys see the Lego movie? Have you seen the Lego yes. movie? Yeah. Okay, Everything so, is awesome. Yes, and you know that there's <laughs> that part with that crazy unicorn cat thing. And yep. she's like and she's like, and there are no rules. And they're like, but you've said the word no like 15 times. And she's like, and there's no consistency. <laughs>
2: totally. That's, that's my life.
1: That's, a, that's, that's exactly what right. i got to clip that one. That was really good. All right. Um, okay. Let's, let's get her focus back here. All right. Focus. I was trying to get her distracted. But I know.
3: did didn't work. not she's, working. She's, she's good.
1: Alliance.
2: Blog.
3: See, we can, we can actually do all I of think the words because she, I, I was was know say, I think in one word
2: words that just bring one to me. Cause I just said them. I don't know. Well,
1: It's, here's the thing though, Kelly we will say them and then they'll say a word and then like,
2: I feel like two, they need to justify her. Yeah. Two and, <laughs> and a half
1: seconds later, they're talking about all this <laughs> stuff. So, all right. Fashion.
2: Hmm. Fun.
1: Okay, trying to trying to see if we did our homework here. Standards. Uh,
2: baseline. Oh,
1: oh, oh. she's well slowing down a little bit though.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna think a minute on that one.
1: <laughs> Go ahead, Teresa. Pick up. We we can get oh, through these right. with her. Yeah,
3: we can do these. She's great. Uh, common Core.
2: Annoying. <laughs>
1: I love that one. That's great. Technology.
3: Technology. Fabulous. Good. Keep going, Spike.
1: All right. I'll do, I'll do the next one. You do the next. All right. And I always pronounce it wrong, but Anastasis Academy, right? Yes.
2: Wonderful. Travel. Happy.
1: Reform movement
2: encouraging
3: and the last one biggest influence you can use two words if you need a name <laughs> that's allowed right
2: how about that boy i love that's a good Aww.
1: one
2: and and true <laughs> very well hey, played
1: she really did it. in fact she probably was going to say at that boy i love
2: <laughs> <laughs> the same I one. It's a I don't know what totally
1: uh, that was, oh, you know what, God. by far, Kelly, you get the you get the award. You yes! have been the best word association <laughs> player that we've had.
3: Yeah, the, uh, they're giving you A-pluses and gold stars in the chat
2: room right now. Oh, oh nice. Fast.
3: They don't hand those out very often, so yeah, I, 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 relen- I will
2: take it. I will
1: take it. They're relentless <laughs> on the guests when they do. <laughs>
3: yeah, they really are. And that's why we love them. Oh, Toby Brown has two more.
1: Oh, okay. Um,
3: He says um sunset. Calm. And Michelle K one
2: (laughs) oh seven. Awesome.
1: Oh. Is that Michelle Baldwin's uh Or
2: else kick ass? I mean it could it could go either way. There's a fine line between those two.
1: (laughs) Kick hyphen
2: ass. Oh, okay. Okay.
1: Is that one word?
2: I mean, can we judge it as one with a hyphen? I think so. You make it a hashtag. That's what we do. Whenever hashtags. When, when yes. you go, make it a hashtag.
1: You know what? They See, and I do
2: really, my hashtags are even wordy. So this is impressive that I yeah. did so well in this word association game. You, you
1: we are did, impressed. We are totally <laughs> yeah, the
2: impressed. The audience is impressed. We're impressed. Oh, Jared Phillips says,
3: Kelly, you rock.
2: Thank wow. you. Thanks, well Jared.
3: <laughs> so the last thing that we do um, before we close for the show is we have educators to follow on Twitter Mm. and um, of course we'll be recommending everyone to follow Kelly on Twitter and her Twitter handle is at ktankley, K-T-E-N-K-L-E-Y and her blog is iLearnTechnology.com and her school Anastasis Academy is Anastasis, A-N-A-S-T-A-S-I-S-Academy.com.
2: They can uh, also just go to standagain.org, uh, or, sorry.
3: standagain.
2: Um, stand yeah, standagain.org. And um, that's the easy way so you don't have to remember how to spell Anastasis.
3: Well done. Takes you to the same spot. You've thought of everything that's good. Yeah.
1: Everything.
3: <laughs> good job. You know what? They're um,
1: probably going to start a whole new like web over there. Like They're not right. happy with just doing it. They're going to be fun. like www3. Yeah, there it'll that's, be. You'll see. You know, see.
2: that's not a bad idea. <laughs> I kind of like it.
1: <laughs> They're gonna. Say it's gonna be. Yeah, no one's gonna be going on Google anymore. They're gonna be do that
2: going, in my right? spare time. No <laughs> yeah, problem. that's great.
1: She's <laughs> gonna <laughs> develop a metric that's better than <laughs> Google. <laughs> um, oh my
3: goodness. So so my educator to follow this week uh, on Twitter is Travis Smith. He is an assistant principal and athletic director at TriWest Middle School in Indiana, which is a four-star school, and it's on the state and national schools to watch. And his Twitter handle is at TRIWestMS underscore APAD. So that is my person to follow for this week. Spike?
1: I normally don't go to New Jersey, you know, because I'm from New Jersey, so I try to f- find some other people. But I have recently connected with an elementary teacher in New Jersey. He's an ASE, ASCD emerging leader. He is doing a lot of great things. He's got this new conference that's coming uh, here. He's been working with a lot of different folks, and he is Barry Sade. It is at Barry Kid One. Um, definitely recommend for everyone to follow him. Uh, Kelly, would you like to give some shout outs to some people for, uh, for our listeners to follow?
2: Yeah, I was going to say that's really hard to narrow down because I get to do follow, it every week. Though. I was going to say, follow <laughs> all out. of I made Twitter lists and follow all of those because those are my favorite people. But uh, those are the people <laughs> I, I like cyber stock all the time. But um, I would have to say Tim Gwynn makes me laugh every single day. And that's really necessary most days.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I would laughing,
2: say so. I would say Tim Gwynn is rock star. And he is at T uh, G W Y N N. He's one of the edgy bros, and he's just fabulous. I really appreciate him, and he does make me laugh a lot. Um, John Spencer is another favorite to follow. Um, he's at Ed Rethink, um, and then Michelle has Michelle Baldwin. Um, She's Michelle K one o seven, but her um, her class blog or her and her class Twitter account are awesome, and she's at Team Baldwin. Awesome. Yeah,
1: Tim is buddies with um, the nerdy teacher, right? I see With them Nick, love- yep, Edgy yeah.
2: Bros, yeah, yeah. He's he makes me like for real laugh out loud, legitimate laugh out loud.
1: That's cool. We'll have to get those in there. Can you know what? I just I got Tim's I in there. I tweeted him out. We're good. Oh, you're so good.
3: Multitasking.
1: Multitasker. Good work. All right. So uh, we want to.
3: That's why they let me stay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah.
1: Let, that that's why you created it so you can just be able to <laughs> be on the quickie Miss Quicks a lot. <laughs>
2: I also, um, in those um, Twitter lists are the original EduBlog Alliance. I had two of them. So there's EduBlog Alliance 1 and um, number 2, and that's all of the people that I say are, like, so transformative in my life. I could not, I would not be where I am without just those conversations and all that led up, you know. they It was trans, truly transformative. So definitely those are good ones to follow.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, we will uh, make sure that everyone gets on those. And, you know, that's one thing I really haven't done a lot of is making lists. Uh, I, I don't I know. Like just, I like I'll, to follow I'll, other people's lists.
2: I not, see. There's just too many. I had to do a list because my I started following. There's this, like, weird place where in Twitter when you start following more than I found it at, like, 600 was my tipping point that I could no longer keep up with what was going on. And so I had to start making lists and prioritizing like, okay, if I'm looking for this or if I'm curious about what's happening in Colorado or, so I started making lists purely just based on like how it made sense to me to organize people and then it's much more manageable so I don't feel like, like I said, I'm OCD so I feel like I need to read every single thing that happens every single day and when you follow 3,000 people it's not going to happen. Right. So, no, it's not. (laughs) So then, if you do the list, then it makes it more manageable, and you don't feel like you're missing everything. So.
1: So you do the, but are what about hashtags? So you're also following hashtags as well.
2: I follow hashtags, but I do it more on a daily basis. So if I if it's Tuesday, I follow EdChat because I follow EdChat. Um, I always follow ours, which is um, we use the hashtag Stand Again as a school. So anytime you're looking for, like, what does the school do or what, you know, you're just curious because I'm not good. Here's where I fall apart. <laughs> I also have too many Twitter accounts, and I'm not good at keeping up with all of them. So I inevitably will share on my personal Twitter account lots of things that happen at school. So I just use the hashtags so that I they're easy to all find and see together. So that hashtag is Stand Again.
1: Okay. I so you know what? It that. took us about – A little over an hour, but we really we found out like she falls apart. She falls apart here.
2: I do fall apart (laughs) more often than you know. (laughs) Yeah,
1: with Twitter, right? With yeah.
3: Yeah, really. If that were only Uh, the limit.
1: I (laughs) know.
2: Email (sighs) is my breaking point for sure.
1: (laughs) Uh, Do you ever do zero inbox?
2: Yes, I just hate email so much. I hate it. Hate 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 email. Remember when it first came out and you're like, oh, somebody emailed me and it was so exciting. Right. Now I look at my inbox and I start the day with 1400 and I'm like, I hate everything about what's happening here. It just makes my brain bleed. If I could do away with one thing, that's the one thing I do away with.
1: I love doing, um, I love doing zero inbox. And then sometimes I tweet it or I'll take Mm -hmm. a picture of it. And then like there's, real funny people like Joe Sanfilippo in Wisconsin who he'll find, you know, he knows my emails now and then he'll, he'll send me one or, you know, <laughs>
3: uh-huh. it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty funny. Joe Sanfilippo is also the guy that can't stick with one word, word association. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, a really so good, that. <laughs> a really good superintendent out in Wisconsin, but right. just, uh, one funny, of our Wisconsin guy.
3: administrator friends.
1: Yeah. And, um, Okay, so let's see. Let's do – what do we got? One more thing to do here. I sort of lost my train of thought here. Okay, so we want to thank our lovely guest, Kelly Tinkley, for stopping by today. As Teresa said, make sure to follow her on Twitter at Kelly – or I'm sorry, at K-T-E-N-K-L-E-Y. K-E-L-Y. K-E-L-Y. I know.
2: It's tricky. K E L Y. -Y. It's kind of like 10 Kelly with one L in the – Ten. Oh, I think I
1: okay. I, I mixed that up.
3: I think I think put it in the right up. way, but let me check.
1: Okay. Yeah. If it com- it'll come up. Oh yeah. yeah. We're yeah, yeah. all following you anyway. And
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but
1: <laughs> um, and then I learned technology and AnastasisAcademy.com. Uh, we want to thank our sponsor StoryboardThat.com. Remember, all loyal loyal. Uh, TeacherCast followers can enjoy 25% off any package purchased today at Uh backslash uh, TeacherCast. Uh, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Once again, for more information on our podcast, please visit principalcast.com and connect with us on Twitter at PrincipalCast. Uh, our next show is July 27th. It is episode 35, and we'll be hosting Daisy Dyer-Durr, who is a recent um, – uh, she's been presenting at a bunch of different places, and she um, is an awesome person that you want to follow. Uh, she's going to be talking with us about summer learning opportunities. We recommend that you follow TeacherCast, at TeacherCast on Twitter, uh, TeacherCast.net for his blogs and resources, and TeacherCast.tv for all his podcasts. So thanks again, Kelly. And, uh, thank
2: you, guys. That was a lot of fun. Thank thanks you
1: for you so me. much. No problem. And um,
3: Teresa. Everybody
2: and- come in February and come see us, and we can just have fun all together.
3: That's I'm cool. in. I'm sure Colorado in February is way better than Michigan in February.
2: <laughs> Actually, you know, depending on the day, we've kind of been joking because February can be like we can have 60 degree beautiful days, and or we could have nine feet of snow. So oh. you just, there's no telling. <laughs> Perhaps.
3: Yes. I guess Florida it is. <laughs> Florida. We're safe. That's awesome.
1: Thank but, you so much. Yeah. All right, we'll Kelly. Sure. Uh, we're going to run the uh, outro. Just stay. Just stay put for for a minute or two.
3: Okay.
1: Um, and Teresa.
3: Principal cast out. <laughs>